Hello and welcome to Bald Move TV, the officially unofficial podcast for literally all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we are back to give you your next installment and our take on The Handmaid's Tale and American Gods. Maybe some other stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, la- the, the three episodes uh, that we are going to be discussing for Handmaid's Tale is Faithful, uh, which shows Alfred unconventionally turning to her drive. Oh, I, I, that would give offered some agency. Um, Fred's wife, <laughs> uh, Serena joy, Serena joy decides that, uh, she needs to take matters in her own hand and arrange for offered to have sex with the driver to get pregnant. Uh, number six, uh, episode six is a woman's place where there's a delegation, a trade delegation from Mexico. Um, uh, that's being hosted by the commander and, um, some crazy stuff ensues and seven, the other side, which is a flashback episode that shows, uh, offered and her husband's, uh, Luke desperate flight from Boston to Canada, the land of the free, <laughs> little uh, America's they call it now. <laughs> America's America's fuzzy woolen hat. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do we want to talk about? Um, what do we want to talk about this episode? We, Last time we talked about this, we had a couple of people upset that we got political in the podcast, which, I mean, it's a hand, it's Handmaid's Tale. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could leave politics at the door, but it's literally what the whole thing is about. It'd be like talking about 1984 without discussing totalitarianism and communism and where the Orwell was a cautionary mm-hmm. tale about democracy. Or, I mean, like, come on. That's let's what just, that's what this is. Let's just go through the episodes one by one. Okay. Faithful. Faithful or unfaithful? It's called Faithful. Oh. Um, now, it's interesting because I lots of sex in this episode, mm-hmm. and I felt kind of confused at best and gross about most of it. Agreed. What are we... How I didn't feel like any of it was consensual, well, even when she came to him that one night. What about the sex she had with Luke? Because her, her Luke? current... Her, her current her husband, husband, but they showed that in the flashback, the surprising thing, I guess the reason they fell afoul of the Gilead Empire is that uh, they were in an adulterous relationship. I don't think that was it. Oh, really? What do you no. think it was then? I think she was just a, a fertile woman hmm. that was trying to escape. Hmm. It seems like that there was some kind of official trial. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but there she's called an adulteress or something. No, anyway, definitely not. They were just trying to escape with their family intact. The the thing is, is they reveal that Luke was cheating on his wife the whole time when when her and uh, when him and um, June June got together back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, like, what is what am I supposed to feel about that? Uh, you're supposed to feel what she's feeling, and that is, I think, a sense of guilt f- for the choices she made and maybe um, a modicum of, I deserve this, things like that. Everything mm-hmm. that goes through your mind when you are a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I say that I feel like none of the sex she had in the episode in the current timeline was consensual because just like having sex with a prison guard... It right. just cannot be consensual. Yeah, I mean, you you got there's there's the legal and moral concepts of consent, and that's that's a that that's a great point. Um, right, and maybe that was the best option she had out of two options, very mm-hmm. limited options. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's also a show of her trying to regain her agency and mm-hmm. um, f- 
I think soon maybe we'll see her with some real power mm-hmm. or trying to get that power and maybe escape. I don't know. I mean, because the other thing is, like, up until this, that the, I wasn't sure how to feel about the commander because uh, was he a good guy that's stuck in his weirdo position? Is he? But I felt like he really kind of showed his ass in this episode, this faithful episode, um, and a woman, especially a woman's place episode, because he just it, it it clearly shows the limits of how much he cares about Offred, or you know, and and it seems like that begins and ends with her not killing herself. Right. And also, the, a lot of stuff he's doing with her seems to gratify himself more than it's Oh, absolutely. Her. Yeah. And then in A Woman's Place, we see that um, Fred and Serena Joy seem to be the pioneers of this Gilead. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, they're the founding members. Right. In part, but they now They were definitely part of the, the, the impetus for this all happening. Right. And she wrote a book about... Um, a woman's place, right? Called? Yeah, it was called a woman's place. About what was it? Um, stay-at-home feminism, something like that. Yeah, I've read. I so in the last two weeks, I've read. There's um, there's several women that write what they call anti-feminist literature, mm-hmm. where essentially he's saying that you know this the feminism is a false messiah and that it is you know, going against nature and biology and the women are happier when they're in a position underneath a strong leadership. And, um, it's essentially what Serena joy is doing here. And I, it, it's crazy. And what, what's really crazy is their, their position is like, well, feminists can't be mad at us because we're doing what they always say that women should do is we're choosing. This is the way we want to live. Mm-hmm. But, but you're also advocating that as a lifestyle. The feminist lifestyle. I mean, being a feminist about is about making your own choice as a woman. And and who is reading your material? Is it people that are cool with women being able to choose? Or are you attracting a traffic that's mostly people like, thank God someone's saying this because I've been telling my wife for the whole... Uh, it's... I don't know. It's, it's interesting because... Well, we see the kinds of people that are reading her material. It's the followers of Gilead. Right. And they've managed to build this whole religion. Um, it seems like they, you get sort of glimpses into how the United States, at least, that's as far as we've seen, mm-hmm. has gotten to the place it is, including bombing the Pentagon and the White House. And, um, you get to see, Serena Joy take over take over this house? They buy this house? Mm. I don't know. She chooses the blue color scheme for herself and I, I thought it was really interesting. Well, as well as, you is, know, the she's this is a very obviously intelligent and driven woman and she has been she she no longer, as the delegation from Mexico pointed out, she can no longer read the book she authored. Right. Uh it's illegal for her to do so. And, and she's being forbidden to take any part and then the uh, there's this other scene where the commander goes and talks to another party official and this is where i don't understand the commander's role because he seems like he's a lot more decent than this other guy who is essentially saying hey you know it was our fault we gave these women way too much responsibility of course they failed what were we thinking Oh, I think... Because all they've been allowed to do is essentially plan state parties. I think the Commander Waterford is absolutely guilty of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to paint this picture of him 
of being a you know divided personality where he all he wants this feminist wife who's an author and he's so proud of her but at the same time he needs this or maybe she's advocating but he's certainly behind this whole gilead infrastructure i i just wonder how they thought this would all work out because there's a scene in the theater exactly where like where they're talking about you know that this is going to be sacrifices but we have to do this because the society is collapsing and if we don't go back to these traditional roles then who knows what will happen I think that they're imagining in a generation, maybe the next, that people won't see themselves as um, slaves or victims or anything like that. It'll be the way of the world, and they'll be honored to be in these positions. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're imagining. Hmm. But I don't think Serena – like, it seems obvious to me that Serena Joy is not – she doesn't really believe all that. Exactly what like I'm saying. I, the I'm, next I'm generation won't have those doubts because oh. they'll have never known about a life before. So she's essentially saying that I've got, I've been infected with modern women thinking, and I don't want, like, I, I, I hope that my daughter. No, I don't think aren't. it's, as, I don't think it's that black and white. Uh huh. But I think that she thinks this is the better way for the world, mm-hmm. and that against her impulses, she's going to go with that. Hmm. I mean, she has these con- this con- conflict in her eyes when the the ambassador asks her about the book she's written. Mm-hmm. But she's also the same woman who threw off right in her bedroom for weeks because she didn't get she failed to get pregnant. Right. But how much of that was because she's got all this in- inner rage with herself and what's happening in the world and ha- her towards, part of it and that she's refocusing that and projecting upon Offred. Or towards Commander Waterford himself True. because she has the idea that he could be sterile. Do they have sex anymore? Oh, I doubt it. It seems like they were trying to get at the point that they they have all but dried up any kind of and passion And you know the other thing is, is that maybe she thought that she would be more... Or she would have a bigger role in actually leading this charge. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like... You know, they set her out of... They didn't invite her into this meeting and let her speak, and right. she accepted that. And every time he tries to bring up, you know, sort of uh, state policy, things like that, and she has an opinion, he shuts it down quickly. Right. So... She does, quote unquote, save the day when she brings forth all of the children that have been born through the handmaids and parade them. And it, it's, it's interesting because... Huh? What do you mean by saying Well, because I feel like the trade delegation was about to blow up. Oh, and yeah. And because nobody, you know, because of several reasons. Because, but they you know, literally have living proof. Yeah. <laughs> that look, look, our, our, our way might be harsh, but look at all these children. How many children do you have, Mexico? Do you, and, and I guess this is one of the handsmaids asserts that they, man, there's so much to talk about in this episode because that, that scene where the children are paraded in front of everybody and, the right. obvious delight of the Mexican delegation and the wives and the commanders versus the anguish of the handmaids. Watching their children play and not know that they are their and, children. And then the scene where all of the imperfect handmaids, the ones that have been maimed by the state, are dismissed from this big fancy dinner that they've all were looking forward to. Right. And they know at least one of uh, – I know at least one of them gave birth to one of the children there. Right. It's just – and how, and like, even right the aunt was like, "This it. is fucked up." And but hey, you know, we're we're still this this is yet another sacrifice we're we're called to do. But it was all for nothing in the end because the ambassador knows what's going on. Well, but here's the thing: one of the handmaids asserts that the, what Mexico's there to trade for is for handmaids. Right. I don't think that's true. Yeah, she said it at the end of the episode. Who did the ambassador in our What'd conversation with Alfred? What did she say? Alfred said, 
she said, help me, help me find my daughter. We're slaves here. Do something. And she said, I know, but I can't help you because Mexico hasn't had a child in however many years. But I thought that was a generic decline to help rescue this individual person, not no, admitting no. to. She's absolutely trading for handmaids. Well, see, that doesn't make sense because I don't understand how a person comes in uh, and asks a bunch of Western democracy style questions about their standard of life and whether they... Uh, uh, because Mexico, I don't think, has this totalitarian regime. But, I think Mexico's business as usual, but, except they're not having children still. But they're going to trade for sex slaves. Because that's the thing where it doesn't... Right. That's the thing that doesn't make sense to me that the ambassador... like I. I can understand where the ambassador can't help offered because what are you going to do? Like have your guards like, you know, sh- shoot your way out of the embassy and then go back to Mexico. And I think she gets to go to bed with a clean conscience if offered lies to her and she and she sees all the handmaids pretending to be happy. She can s- say that these are women who are willing. She mm. gets to put the horse blinders on, go about her business. I just disagree. I don't I don't think there's any. I it first. It just so what do you think they're trading? It's stuff that nations need. Like food and things like that. Oh no, that's, they made it explicit at the end of the episode. She's trading people. I disagree because I don't, I also think it, it just doesn't make logistical sense. Like why would Gilead trade handmade? I mean, that's the most precious commodity, right? The fact that you're bearing live children. Right. But by shutting off the entire United States from the rest of the world, uh-huh. what are we missing out on? Well, what kinds of pr- things are we obviously not getting? we're running low on food and there's rations of other things. So like America is in bad shape in this new world order. So I don't know exactly why that all this. It just I I I I don't know. Maybe I need to watch. I've only watched all these once, and but I I remember thinking that I wonder if that wasn't just disinformation. Mm-mm. So, all right. Um, anything else we want to talk about in that particular episode? No. What about the other side? This is the one we just watched. We actually just watched this tonight before we came to do the the podcast. Um. That was interesting. I I I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast, but I think we both knew that Luke wasn't dead or had the inkling that Luke wasn't dead because he wasn't shown killed. Right, he didn't die on screen. <laughs> I so. know that drives Jim crazy whenever you assume that, but like goddamn if it isn't right 9 times out of 10. And what did I tell you in this episode? They showed this flashback clip of the little girl spinning her bunny in the sunlight and I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's the first thing Luke's going to find when he goes back to where they got captured." And you're right. I mean, getting pretty good at this. Watching too much TV, it turns out. Yep. <laughs> um so but I thought it was great to see Luke's perspective. It's also a big, world, but, important world-building episode because, again, I am struggling. And I have a big problem with not understanding how this world works and the geopolitics and the economy. It, uh, and, and all we get is from the Handmaid's perspective. And the Handmaid's are, like, you know, treated like mushrooms or kept in the dark and fed a bunch of bullshit. So <sighs> we have no glimpse. You know, we get a little little glimpse of what the commander says to his wife and – his opinion on things, but and and also I still don't even know how high ranking is the commander I, because like as you I said, pointed out, it's like he's the damn president of the United States. Exactly, everyone came to that hall to see him. This and is maybe a state sh- dinner, and who's at the head of the table? It's the him. commander and his wife. I mean, maybe he's just head of state. Maybe there's one person who's running the entire country or every state that they have under their umbrella well, right they've now. They've gone back to. But I don't know. As far as we know, he's clearly shown to be the leader of leaders in that particular dining hall. Right. Um, But it's interesting. 
Of course, that is also the trade delegation in Mexico. They didn't imply that this was, they didn't say that's a prime minister of Mexico. It's the ambassador. The the ambassador. So I guess this would, you know, like for like. But anyway, I, Luke's journey was interesting. Um, at times very unbelievable. I had some issues with logistics. The fact that he got gut shot and was dying, got put in an ambulance for miles. And then, I mean, he did, I guess, fell off a six story bridge. Strapped to a gurney, admittedly, and survived all that, and then walked through. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I think that I'm going to grant them that they gave him the most basic level of medical care so that he right. could walk two or three miles to the next town over, yeah. but still staying on this side of the border because he's still got his wife and daughter to find. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see the old towns and wreckage where the the slurs spray painted on all of the windows. Right. They've got gender traitor and then gets worse from there. Yeah. And this, um, nursing home van full of outcasts finds him. Mm-hmm. Um, then one of the, what was she? She was an army cadet, whatever you call them, mm-hmm. uh, who got her base Zoe was taken over. Or Sophie. No, no, no. This is the girl with the short hair. Oh, right. Her base got taken over. There were 50 women who had their children taken from them, and they said they found them locked in some kind of bunker. Well, she also had one of the red handmaid's tags, right. like, so, like a cattle tag in her ear. Right. So it seems like this the way that this Gilead rollout, ha- rollout happened mm-hmm. happened much differently in different places. Because the things we saw in our red center uh-huh. didn't seem to be that traumatic. I mean, they're traumatic, but right. for you to stop speaking and to wake up screaming and. But do you, do you, here's the thing. Um, I feel like the timeline has jumbled too because it's been established that this is offered second rotation. I don't know how long a rotation lasts. Um, long enough to try to get married, pregnant, but I mean, I feel like the offered's been out of the red center for at least a year. Because she's also at the end of this rotation with the commander, and so how long do you think it's been since Offred got kidnapped? Two years. Two years? Okay. No, three years. It's okay. Been three years. As because it? because they, they don't Luke establish got... how much when the time is jumping around. We just see Luke in the moment, and I think that and thing where they find the base—that's like a prototype handmaids. That's like a red center before they've fully consolidated their power. That's when they're operating in semi-secrecy. Yeah. Well, Luke. From the time he crashed in the ambulance to the time that he got that letter from Alfred, mm-hmm. there was a print on the screen that said three years later. Okay. So th- in, t- in Canada, little America now. Okay. That sounds, and that's, I thought that was interesting how they've got like this like, American enclave where there's American flags and whatnot. It's so nice of Canada. Isn't yeah. it so, so Canada nice for them to let them Come yeah. in and paint American flags everywhere. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. We were just going to let you stay pretty... here for a while. Yeah. I, the, the, oh, I guess you're moving in. All right. <laughs> I'll get the clean linens. Uh, I, I, I bet Canada is pretty bummed out about all this shit going in the southern border. I'm worried that it's going to, the hysteria is going to sweep north, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the fall of, it's kind of like communism all over again. Everybody's afraid that's going to come, come to you, come to you next. So, I mean, during Luke's journey, when he got picked up and they were giving him medical attention, Uh which was adequate, I thought it was unbelievable, or not unbelievable, I thought it was believable that he kept insisting that he needed to get off the bus and that he wanted someone to force him to stay. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely what happened, Mm -hmm. subconsciously. Yeah, probably. Because he didn't want, he wasn't going to be the one to give up on his wife and child. He needed someone to force him at gunpoint to stay. My my thought was that he 
feared for the worse and kind of wanted to die and you know go out like you know oh, in some kind of show of false bravado yet. really I don't think he's ready to die. It seemed like as soon as he found out about what the blonde had gone through, the prototype handmade, he was kind of like checking out. Wouldn't it be funny if that guy gave him the gun the first time and he just mm-hmm. instantly shoots himself in the head? <laughs> <laughs> I did like that little bait and switch where we're introduced to the camo-wearing Carhartt hunter with the bolt-action rifle and the dog. And you think, oh, God, he's going to betray him to Gilead. And it turns out, nah, he was actually a pretty decent guy. And White men he, can be good too. Hey, you know, we try. Um, and then he was like giving him, you know, uh, they're all very skeptical. That's the other thing I thought was funny is June's like, Oh my God, do we need this gun? Are you sure you know how to? And as soon as the dude shows up, she grabs the gun mm. and is like ready to, ready to, to, to drop this guy. Yeah. How did that guy know who they came there with? Uh, he's friends with them. Oh, he was? Yeah, like, he's, like, neighbors with this guy, and he's like, I knew him. He's a weird guy, but I liked him. He's, he said that stuff. I mean, everything's just very sketch. It, I just feel like um, watching the show is very frustrating because I want to know everything about the world and how it operates, and I'm just getting it out in dribbles. And I'm getting, like, it, it's a lot like reading War, World War Z, where you just get all these fragmentary descriptions of what's going on from different unreliable people, and you just have to kind of piece it together. I do think it's fascinating that they were searching for those two specifically based on information that was broadcast over the radio. Mm. Or three. So it's three specifically. Right. Why do you think that's interesting? I mean, in the entire city of Boston, they're just broadcasting every single person's names that I, they haven't captured and red tagged or whatever. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Like, how did they? And how did this guy registration know? thing going right. on? Right? Are they the only three people that have managed to semi escape? This guy was just also listening to the it, radio and he said, "Oh, those three people might have those names." And all of America hadn't fallen yet. No, because here's the other thing: is I thought that Luke and um, uh, June were on the Canadian border when they got overtaken. It seems like they were just trying to get out of Massachusetts, exp- uh, like implying. No, they that- were at the Canadian border in the first well, episode. Then how the he hell said, did he get back? He to said, Massachusetts? "Run two miles, and the border will be right there." Well, but was he talking about the border of Massachusetts, or was he talking about something else? Because here's the thing: the I don't point. understand how they get back to Massachusetts. Like he took an ambulance ride that then wrecked off a bridge that was close enough for him to get back within two miles of the Canadian border. Then he went to he walked to some town, which there's no fucking way he walked from Canada to Massachusetts, holed up in this building, and then was captured by the resistance. So I guess the most likely thing that would happen is they went through Vermont, New Hampshire, or New York to the Canadian border, which isn't that far. Huh. So yeah, I could see them. I mean, maybe it's but I'm, maybe I'm, it was two miles to. The border of the next state, but well, there's at one point where there's someone asserts you'll never make it past Massachusetts to him when he's saying I want to get out and I want to. Maybe he's talking about walking back, but they're two miles from Canadian border. Yeah, and also it, it doesn't. When it, it, I still don't, the geography and timeline doesn't quite make sense. And also the other thing is that Moira, Moira, mm-hmm. when they escaped and they got on the train, mm-hmm. they asked for the train heading to Boston. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, where in the woods were they? Were they in New York? So are they they from in in New York? Are they still close to Canada, but he wants to go back to Massachusetts because they think that's where they'll take Alfred? That would make sense, I suppose. And they're saying you'll never make it to Massachusetts. Like, you'll never even get even close to Boston. If they're from New York City, then Massachusetts is like a straight shot up from there. Right. So. 
Um, Just saying that's, I don't think we'll get that answer, but. Okay. The other thing, um, do you want to talk about anything as far, cause the one thing I found borderline distracting in the faithful episode and also a woman's place episode is they have this thing where they pull the focus back and forth when they're like, they're, they've, they've got, um, it's really noticeable when Offred is having sex with the driver, the eye guy. And they keep pulling the focus in and out, so things flow in and out. And it's I, I don't know whether they're trying to show like Alfred's internal instability or the skewed worldview or what, but it's like boy, it's it's it I find it distracting and not not artful. Hmm. That's my only criticism because otherwise the film like it's striking when you see all the handsmaids on parade or you know, the state dinner with all the handmaids and, and all the wives and then all the children parading. Like it's, it looks, it looks pretty good, but there's that, there's that one thing that they're doing that is, I'm not sure why they're doing it. And I find it very distracting. It's not working for you. Nah, the focus, the focus issues. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I think that's all I've got this week. How many episodes uh, do we have left? Do you, three, three. So it's a 10 episode season. All right. Um, I'm kind of wondering where they're going to park this. Cause I don't think they knew that they had a second season. I don't know. To begin with. So I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to have some kind of a satisfying conclusion at the end of this, this season. Would it be a spoiler to say that I know whether or not they're getting a second season? No, 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 no. We know, I think it's been announced that they've had, they get the second season, right? Yeah. Are any of the answers to this world building stuff in the book? No. Are you only telling me that because you know that if if you say yes, I'll voraciously read it. <laughs> you will not. No, I'm. Ter- I really. Like, I'm. I'm very impatient with. The I mean, if out of the information we're getting about the world, if anyone's interested in reading it, it's free. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, and you're a woman, and you're a woman, that and you're fertile. Children. That's right. Exactly. Um, Under his eye. <laughs> so I would recommend reading it. It's a pretty short read. And no, are you done with it? No. Oh, there's not more answers. Hmm. It's but it's it's focused on her and her story, not mm. you the don't world get, at large. It doesn't zoom out. Okay, because that's that. That's... There there aren't any of those unfocused shots though. If that's what you're ah. interested in. All right, uh, let's move on to American Gods because last we left, I just felt like I was watching a fever dream and I didn't understand anything. And I wasn't sure what I'm supposed to think about this. And we've seen three more episodes. The Secret of Spoons, Head Full of Snow, and Get Gone. And I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more engaged with the main plot. The Shadow Moon guy. Uh, I still think he's a blank slate. Yeah. But the things happening to him and around him are very interesting. And I did hear that in the book, it's, that's very much the case as well. Is he's supposed to be this unreadable flat character oh well they casted him impeccably <laughs> because i cannot read him or 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 reach him honestly this show is is very bizarre i think they keep throwing characters at us that don't entirely make sense i mean if they gave us sort of a mission to follow for you know a reason that we should be interested in technology boy chasing him chasing him or um the god of media trying to get his attention i don't i don't know we don't have any reason to be invested. No, that like, if that's going to be something that they reveal in the future, then fine. But yeah. right now, I don't have any reason to be invested. Well, the, I mean, so the, it's it's interesting because the main plot and and you know they got this thing where they've got old gods 
that are losing power because no one believes in them. And they got these new gods that are gaining power because people are putting faith in them. And it seems like technology and media are the new gods. And like, you've got Odin and Ananazi and some of these other gods that are losing power and are kind of like leading these quiet, unassuming lives. And that's a well-worn trope in fantasy sci-fi fiction. The fact that like, you know, that's, you know, Fred Saberhagen's classic Book of Swords. It's, 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 it hap, it's, it's a, a well, well-worn concept that these gods are, no one's paying attention to them anymore. The Dresden Files deals with that too. And they're kind of, their, their powers are waning because the human's uh, devotion is what gives them fuel for the fire. Uh, and it seems like Mr. Wednesday, um, is trying to get like the old gods together for some last gasp against the 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 new ones and i really like technology boy i thought that was all stupid and i didn't get it but i really enjoyed uh uh gillian anderson is it gillian or jillian jillian okay jillian anderson's uh portrayal of lucille ball oh yeah i mean it was incredible and the show looks amazing um what was what was the other? Thing? I don't know why Shadow Moon's important in this war. Exactly, like I said, you don't have any reason to be invested necessarily. But and his yeah. The the other thing is the side characters, the god like the where they showed Mister Nancy, the um the spider African god on the slave ship. That was incredible. So good. But I feel like it's just like a one shot. The woman who I don't know what she's supposed to be some kind of fertility goddess who's Queen eating men and went, but I don't even, that's not familiar to any kind of, I mean, I know who the Queen of Sheba is in the Bible, but she didn't eat men with her vaginas. Right. Virgin- she has multiple. Vir- vaginas. Her Virginias. Uh, <laughs> she meets men and women with her vagina, which I think is spectacular and, and awesome and, exactly, and erotic, but-, but it doesn't make sense. And then the most erotic scene in the whole fucking show so far, is a genie being seduced by a failed businessman, and that was like some hot gay sex. That was incredible. What do you call those genies? Ifrit? Ifrit? Ifrit. He, he's, uh, he's an Ifrit, but he's what a gin. What did you call it? A gin. Yeah. That's that's the buffalo with the eyes on fire. I guess. I don't, is it? Yeah, because that why, guy. Because I thought that's that's supposed to be some probably Native American god that shows up later. Why no, would the that gin- guy also had eyes of fire? He did have eyes of fire for sure. Eyes of fire. Eyes of fire. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's getting, I mean, the, you yet. know what I think those things would be interesting if you did like a cold open type of thing, mm-hmm. like here's this God, here's this God, here's this God. So when they show up later, you've got you know this sort of preamble. I, they're doing an opposite. They're showing, they're, they're shooting the shotgun out and I'm assuming they're going to then lasso this all and make it have, make sense. Later exactly. On. So when you do finally meet Mr. Nancy, then you'll have uh, an idea of his power. Uh-huh. I, I, I just think it's interesting. What do you think about? I wanted to call him Thor. What's the name? Chernabog? I I want to talk. I I just want to, again, just talk about how that one shot, that gin, like that visual of him naked with his eyes on fire was fucking incredible. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it means. Like, so the, 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 the gin literally shoots this guy full of spiritual fire or whatever. I mean, and then he becomes the gin at the end. Yes. Okay. Is this. He's not uh, nearly as, as as magnetic as the real Jin. So I mean, if he shows up later, I'm going to be like, can we, can we get the old? Oh, well, give him some time to grow oh, a beard. That's true. Oh, he'll that's get true. around to it. Get yeah. some cool shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that fire bounce around inside him for a while. Would you be willing to become an Ifrit for the best sex of your life? Well, it's the thing is like I don't think you're even offered that deal. It's almost like there's the best sex of your life, and then oh by the way, you're going to be a Jin. I'm which... just saying, if you had the choice, 
uh best sex of my life to become well but, so what's the draw is, is this like aladdin genie like you know unlimited cosmic power itty bitty leaving space like do i have to be <laughs> do i have to be confined to a cab for the, for all my days until i get well, someone whatever else regulations to? you want on it you I'll know s- as much as i do because uh, i would for mediocre sex because that's <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i could hand that ball off pretty quick though yeah like i feel like that e oh, freight yeah. was like not really if that's the deal like the first person that has sex with you like how has he not had this make this happen a thousand years ago right this dude is smoking hot but here's the deal breaker. literally you have to be a cab driver yeah but not, not even like an uber or lyft anything cool like that you have to be a cab driver hmm. yeah i guess cat like there's a lot of people that just don't see cab drivers as sexual people even if they're literally <laughs> smoldering in the front seat i've seen the night of Twenty <laughs> <laughs> part of that um, okay. You were talking about Chern- Chernobog. Chernobog. Um, Peter Stormare. What did Stormare? you think about the, re- the resolution of that checkers game? I, first of oh, all, the fact that die. they're, the, oh, the, 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 the old double down. <laughs> the fact that they're playing checkers. I, I first of all, I, I thought, okay, I'm assuming Shadow Moon has some kind of real power behind him because I thought what was going to happen is, he gets his one shot with his hammer against his skull and it was just not is going to like you know be about as as it was going to look like when the hulk punches thor but they also like you could tell power like something happened right. but like shadow was going to essentially be fine that and they established that chernobog is weak he's getting weak in his old age right well all so of these so those two things are. combined right could have given a better resolution than the double or nothing checkers game. Yeah, and the whole the, and checkers, the fact that they're playing checkers, come the fuck on. You can't. Man. Th- I mean, you can't do like a fancy card game. I mean, maybe I'm underestimating do... checkers, but I thought checkers was one of those solved problems where it's like tic tac toe, where if two opponents at any kind of equal skill are going to play to a draw. Exactly. I mean, maybe I don't. I that's interesting. Chess would have been the better choice. I think so. But they feel but like I the also, audience doesn't know how to play chess. Do you, do you buy that Shadow Moon knows how to play chess? Yes. If you spend years in prison, yeah, I, feel like I think you pick up, you know, he got buff. He's yeah. got some time for checkers in the rec yeah. room. Yeah, he got prison swole and chess swole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was, but the whole thing felt like this allegorical fever dream. As soon as they enter this apartment, there's this old lady and, Mr. Wednesday is trying to seduce her, and there's like a super hot one that's always asleep, and she's got the telescope, and she's keeping an eye on the dog, the I cosmic think that dog was cool. that's chained up, and and I feel like that's the end game of this series, like that's the existential threat. This dog is going to get loose. Didn't she say? And maybe all the, do- the all the gods have to get together to like yeah. put aside their differences and stop him, and Shadow mm-hmm. Moon's going to be the fifth element or something. Yeah. But here's the thing: is um this this latest episode, Get Gone. Where his wife comes back to life as some kind of zombie thing. But she sees Shadow as some kind of almost son. Yes. Okay, before we get into the details of this episode, I think this is my favorite favorite episode because the consistent storyline. Okay. I think it was artfully done. That being said, I hate this character. Mm -hmm. I think she's deplorable. And not interested to see her come back to life and be a nuisance in our all of our viewing experiences mm-hmm. moving forward, which I'm assuming she is because she's a pretty well-known actress. Yeah, so I just don't know what I'm supposed to feel about her because she is a 
you know, she cheated pretty, pretty, uh, brazenly, uh, on Shadow when she was in prison, when he was in prison. I don't think she ever really loved him the way he loved her. No. But now, like, is, is it some kind of curse that she is, has to love him? That he's, he's the sunshine in her life now, almost literally. Right. Yeah. I think that she was just looking for, something to spice up her super dull life and at first it was having this convict sleep over and then it was getting married to this convict and then it was you know what maybe we do need to do some sort of grand robbery and then it's oh take make the convict take the fall for it yeah like, and he then, wasn't a convict when they met and then i misspoke yeah, but he was he was on his he way. just hadn't gotten caught yet <laughs> right like if she had called the pit boss over he would have been um yeah, it's that's that's interesting. I don't know why you turned to Dane fucking Cook. Dane Cook Dane, Dane Vain, Cook. Vainy Daney with a giant Who Vainy knew? dick. Who knew that he was still even out there? Which like I I, I mentioned this on other Speaking podcasts. Of people with, coming with, back from the dead. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying. Um I, I talked about this with Jim is that like I am really impressed with the amount of eroticism in this. Like yeah. there's several full on, full frontal nudity, erect uh, aroused male penises. Uh, the most graphic gay sex scene I think I've seen on television, though I haven't watched Looking. Or... What's the other one? Yeah, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. No. That's where the... It was called... No, I know Queer, queer was in the title. Yeah, Queer as Folk. Queer as Folk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I did, did the, Queer as Folk certainly... have flaming, flaming dudes with flaming eyes? Right. I haven't watched those shows, so that's the most... Having, and having sex that transcends you to the spiritual plane? I don't think so. I mean, I, I haven't seen it all either, but I'm just, I'm just saying I doubt it. <laughs> so, I must be... I think it must be because he, th- he dropped that leprechaun coin onto her grave, brought her back to life, and I think mm-hmm. that's what tethers them together now. Hmm. Call it love if you want to. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. But the the other thing is, like, she was in the middle. Like, I, I did like, because I don't like this character very much, but I like that she's kind of an apo- unapologetic dick. She's kind of like a Don, the Don Draper of women, right? Right. And she's sitting there in front of the Egyptian god of death. I think it's Anubis. It might have been Thoth. I think both of those brothers that run the funeral parlor are supposed to be both, like, the, the Ibis and the Jackal. Yeah. Uh, Anubis, and I think it's... Ibis, right? Yeah. Or Toth? Thoth? Um, I, Ibis, definitely. Uh, anyway, I like how they show that for whatever, I forget why she, the Egyptian god has domain over her because she believes some kind of Egyptian story, but he comes up and wants to measure her feather and she's like, wait, let me, let me, let me save your time. Uh, I, I've lived my life good and bad, but not feather light. And then just as he's like kind of giving her the speech about, well, you're going to go and you're going to get in the shadow zone for some fucking reason, which is, uh, it looks like the hot tub that she tried to kill herself with bug poison. Terrible idea. Um, is that what she's trying she to do? gets, she gets, she gets, she gets pulled out of presumably by the leprechaun coin. Yeah. And put back to life, except for she's not, she's not one, she's not 100% there, right? Right. I mean, she's decaying and, She's, her arm falls, her arm off, falls off, but she's super strong and she's invisible to, uh, she was invisible to, she was invisible to, to Shadow, Shadow during that fight when he was, fi- she's fighting she's the Techno Boys crap. Un- unnaturally strong, supernaturally super, strong. Super, supernaturally strong. And, but then at the end of the episode. She punched that guy's brain out of his body. That was, that's the thing. Like I, I got this thing that like, I like how over the top this, this is graphic in every sense of the word. Sex, blood, 
everything every everything about it is is graphic and it's also got some clever writing like i really like the the spider god anasani and anazi his name uh, is mr nancy when he was just so telling it's an these easy slaves way to remember his name is pronounced anansi okay uh he was telling these slaves on the slave ship just like you can pray all you want but you guys are fucked yeah and your descendants going to be fucked and your descendants descendants going to be fucked and it's like uh you know this black and and you know they ended up burning burning down the ship because that's all they could do um but that scene was super fucking graphic um the violence like when yeah you're right she punched a dude's spine and skull out of his body mortal combat style insane i remember being kind of grossed out by that the first time we saw the invisible fight happening right then seeing this it was just <laughs> and the very easily recognizable buckets of just corn syrup that they're just sloshing everywhere yeah it's very 300 it's very, it it's very Zack snyder in 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 its its sensibility there the other thing i enjoyed about this storyline is when she goes back to the woman dane cook's wife and she's like, look, I understand this is a weird, embarrassing situation, but um, you're going to have to deal. And she sits down and then has this disgusting embalming fluid shit <laughs> right in front of her. Yeah. Uh, and there's like she's forced to deal with this person that she hates. And she's trying and like, you know, she's trying to say all this, this cold smack to her. And she's not deflecting any because like, you know, what she's done is kind of indefensible. Um, and I liked that they didn't try to soften any of that. It's just right. like some, like, matter of fact, it's like, yeah, you know, well, what are you going to do? It, it was h- hilarious to watch her genuine terror, a dead woman without an arm who cheated or whose husband she cheated on you with, mm-hmm. however you say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She died with her husband's cock in her mouth. Exactly. I mean, f- her genuine terror. And she just has nowhere to escape it from, mm-hmm. to escape from it, too. Mm-hmm. She goes into the bathroom, stands in the bathtub, and she's just screaming, and you see right. that slowly die out of her. I thought right. that was hilarious. Because it's not going away. Like, it's just, yeah. No, she's there. You have to deal with it now. Uh-huh. You're done uh-huh. being scared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that was interesting. Do you think we're going to see this character again? Which one? The wife. Probably. I don't like her. I don't like any. I, I That's a thing, like... This whole episode was about this character that I found. It's kind of like, again, it's the female version of Don Draper, but without any of the backstory and pathos that made Don's character bearable. Exactly. She didn't have a rough upbringing with a bar of Hershey's chocolate. She was just bored. Right. I mean, we don't know. We might find that out. But, like, it's funny because, like, Don Draper just... coasted by on how cool he was we do know that her by grandmother... the time the wheels fell off they had developed his backstory enough that you could make that pity connection and still kind of make the care even after he was cool he was something that you could pity and 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 um you know kind of grasp on that level she's this this kind of outwardly perfect cool collected amoral person and now she's a she's come back from the dead for some reason um and why are the egyptian uh, the other thing is like that i don't quite understand is why the egyptian gods who seem like they got uh you know screwed out of their prize their soul or whatever they're doing collecting here why are they so interested in helping her well you just said it for yourself they're screwed out of their prize i would just think they would you know take well i guess they she's undead now so what is that how what do you do with that if you're a god of death and you're dealing with a zombie or some other god's magic mm. specifically 
Yeah, is the leprechaun a god? Like that's the other thing. Is like to be. Yeah, or he's gotten a gift from a god, and that's why he's so awesome. I like that character a lot too. Do you? Yeah, I think he's pointless. Well, I mean, but he's he's got color, and that's that that counts for a lot. Like none of these characters, except for maybe Techno Boy, are devoid of me being interested in them. Techno Boy, I just like, I got, I hope I never see him again. He's loud and busy and obnoxious, and the fights are dumb. He is. Um, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Um, what else do we have to talk about? I don't know. We don't know. Do you do you have a clear idea of what Mr. Wednesday is doing except for trying to get the old gods together for some unknown purpose? That's not a clear idea. That's just something you're speculating. Well, I mean, no, he said as much to the Eastern European guys because those three women are... Well, he said he was going to Chernobog to get his hammer. Chernobog is his hammer. Well, see, I thought that he was literally like Chernobog's, like that's like Molnir. And he was getting, like, he, that used to be his hammer, and he's getting it back from him. Oh, no, no. Chernobog is literally his hammer. That's the cannon. Oh. The cannon. Oh, so that's, like, a, ty- a a position he holds? Right, yeah. So he's, like, he's like his he's, heavy. He's like, the, he's, like, the Thor of the universe? Right. Huh. I wonder if the other, like, if, if Loki's going to show up. I don't know. Um, because that's, you know, if you got, if you get, the uh, Odin and Thor, then you just need Loki to, and this is interesting because fuckery. it's not one particular belief system that they're drawing these gods from. Right. There's, you know, Egyptian, Irish, but they're all gods them? that were taken to America and a foreign land. And they show like, they show so how it's an Americanized version, like Mad Sweeney could be, you what? know, he could just some Irish guy, but now his American portrayal is, you know, a drinker, a fighter, loudmouth. Oh, is Mad Sweeney an actual mythological mythological character? Apparently he's an Irish king of lore. Huh. Because, like, I thought it was interesting how they showed the, you know, Vikings taking Odin across and how they kind of, like, through their belief magic brought him to America. And then the, you know, uh, a Nancy was brought over by the Africans and the slave ships and... Bathsheba or uh, Queen of Sheba's brought over. I don't understand her. I don't understand how the Egyptian gods got over here because, like, is there, like, an Egyptian belief enclave somewhere in America? Like, yeah, it's, uh, Allah being over here wouldn't, wouldn't bust my hair. Anubis. Or I guess, like, and then the other thing is, like, is, is Allah, Yahweh, and Jesus the same in this universe? Because they all are from the same. I could do with some more biblical character, but then like they've all, we've all put our different spins on him. So is that, would that fracture the God into different pieces? Like, and the other thing is like, is, is this Mr. Wednesday, the American version of Woden? And does he have an authentic Woden version of Woden back in like Scandinavia? Yeah, apparently, well, Thoth and Anubis are the Egyptian gods. Mm -hmm. I could use some Greek gods in my life. Yeah. Apparently, Matt. That would make more sense. I think, I feel like there's a lot more Greek Americans than Egyptian Americans, but I don't know what I'm basing that on. Yeah. So they call him Mad Sweeney. His name in Irish is S-U-I-B-H-N-E. Sweeney. Uh. Huh. And he's a king? Not even a god? He's just a king. Ugh. That's the other thing. It's like this Queen of Sheba. Like, she's not a god either. I don't. Is there is there a religious tradition that treats her as some kind of sort of god? Like, I'm, is there some kind of apocryphal version of Judaism? Or you know what? I only went abolish it. <laughs> I only went so far into 
Googling these gods, so uh, I didn't get... Oh, you don't want to get spoiled. I right. didn't get spoiled. Or I didn't want to get spoiled. I Googled Bilquis, which is her name in the show, and found out she was supposed to be the Queen of Sheba. Mm-hmm. I think you Googled I... Mr. Wednesday. No. Or the name Wednesday? No, 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 no. I already knew that. I, I did go- but Google But just so Chernobog. you know, listeners, if you are going to Google these names to find out their literary will, meaning, you, you will, are you're, right for you're spoilers. You're risking spoilers. Stick with the Wikipedia <laughs> article because, like, if you look up the Chernobog's thing on Wikipedia, like, if you're going to get an American God spoiler, it's going to be down in the in pop culture section. So you can read, like, so he's essentially the Slavic God of Darkness. And, Who? Chernobog? Yeah, Chernobog. Yes. And like the, the uh, Cherno Alpha from the the uh, the the Jaeger in um, Pacific Rim was named after him. Huh. Chernobyl, which I thought, okay, well, there's some some kind of, but I guess that's actually named after Wormwood, which has a fairly evil connotation biblically. If you look at the Book of Revelation, so that- that's the name of the star that falls into the sea and turns into blood, I believe. Yeah, so that the. Chernobog, the Zoria sisters, and the Doomsday Hound they guard are Russian folklore. Uh, okay, right. Uh, Anansi is the African folklore. Right. He's the trickster god. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> um, looks like we got some Native American gods coming up, but I'm not gonna... See, that's why I feel like that. that's where I'm, like, I'm not comfortable saying that Buffalo is the genie character, because I feel like he's gonna come up. I think, I am of... only saying that because of the flames and the eyes are very distinct, and I think it's gotta be... Plus, indicative. that's the other thing, it's like, yeah, like, we've seen a whole bunch of transplant gods, where are the, you know, the OG gods gotta be the Native American gods. Quetzalcoatl and all those, you know? Right. And then, Technology Boy and Media are yeah, they're new, the new American ones. gods. They all suck except for the media. Right. I wonder if there's going to be. Are there any? Um, I wonder if there's going to be any other new god factions. Technology oh. and media are probably the real big ones. And also, I think it's a little. I think that's. I think it's rude. <laughs> How? I mean, to describe America as technology and media. Obsessed. Why? I don't know. I feel like there's other gods that you could go with. Okay. I like, mean, they two. I'm, I'm surprised just saying, there's not a god of greed. I'm just saying that the two basically mean the same thing. Am I right? Technology and media? No. Me- technology, television, I think the technology cell phones, is more, social media. Well, there's the yeah. I don't know. Like there's the like almost like like the worship of science. Although there's not a lot of that nowadays. Um, but certainly the media seems like that's right on. Like. That arguably is much more relevant in people's lives than any religion right now. Right. Um, and I wonder if there's going to be other factions. And also, like, if you had a Jesus, would he be a modern god or an old god? Because, oh, we like, already have one of those. It's called Kanye West. <laughs> that's a Jesus. You pronounce <laughs> oh, it. You pronounce Jesus. with a hard J. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, that stuff is, I think, going to be, that, I guess that's the stuff that I'm really interested in is just seeing how this mythology, Pans out because again, I don't, I don't really like the Shadow Moon character. He's not right. nearly as interesting as any of the other things swirling around him. Yeah, but so, unfortunately, I do like the fact that it's set in Indiana. That's super cool. That is cool. I like that. Yeah, I always love uh, scenes set in our hometown because they, you know, you don't get that much. Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's a bunch of rednecks and hillbillies, right? Who don't know how to speak right and don't have all their teeth. Right, right. No, it's cool. And I, I kind of want like I, um, that American Hotel Indiana T-shirt that I think. Yes, who is that? is that? What is, was Moon wearing that? Yeah. 
Moon is wearing that. Man, I, f- I, I wish I could just jack that and throw it up in the Bald Moose store and buy it myself. I don't think that's allowed. But uh, but we will the, find the out. The t-shirt is super hot. I wonder if you can buy that merch-wise anywhere because I want one. Yeah. I want one really bad. Uh, anything else we want to talk about American God so far? Nope. All right. Super have... cool. It's an awesome-looking show. It's very intriguing. It's not – there's not a lot of there there, but it sure is fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I have one more thing. And I, I think it's also pushing the state of the art when it comes to adult content. That's the other thing I really – like, it, it feels mature that they can do these things in a matter-of-fact way that move the plot forward and no one's like, hee-hee, there's a dick, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, we're still we're still hooked on the show. All right. And anything else we've been watching that you want to talk about? Yes, I want to talk to you about Sense8. Okay. It's in its second season. And you have been, uh, you have been, been, been mainlining this thing. Yep. Without me. Yes, I have, cause you weren't interested. I was, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't see season one. I'm in my busiest television season and I'm already watching twice as much TV as my co-host, so. Alright. I'm tapped out. <laughs> So the show Sense8, do you know anything about it? The Jim Meister, we had a discussion about it last year, and you talked about it, how the concept is there's a shared consciousness between these certain people where they can inhabit each other's bodies and have access to their intellect and abilities Mm -hmm. and kind of communicate in like some kind of astral plane style way. Right. But that's all I know about it. You have like a cluster of eight people who can share these abilities and things. And um, they're being hunted by this organization called BPO that wants to harvest their brains and try to figure out how they work and develop their own kind of technology for mimicking that. Mm. So you can hunt and root out all the other sense-eights. It's called Sense-Eight, the number eight. How many of the eight are still alive? All of them. Oh, really? Why would I tell you there weren't? Even if, even oh, if I were all right. being yeah. honest, why would I tell you if there were not? <laughs> <laughs> Two seasons. I'm not trying to spoil people. Okay. Um, but they are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe people, not. A lot, of, a lot of people do die. Um, but not to Sense8. I think you've successfully smokescreened that. So <laughs> moving on. Um, so this is the uh, Wachowski production, which is so hit and miss with everything they do. But it makes – because so it's interesting because the Wachowski sisters used to be called the Wachowski brothers, and they both transitioned. So now they're Wachowski sisters. And if you look back at all of their work, except for maybe Speed Racer, they all kind of play with this idea of identity and and who you are and, and how the inside doesn't necessarily match the outside. Like you look at cloud Atlas, you look at the matrix, you look at, it sounds like sense eight, all those ideas are being played with. And it seems like that's something that's really, they're passionate about right. something that they have that, and that they, they want to speak about. It's interesting because with all eight of these characters, you can do anything you want. Like one of the characters is a trans woman. Um, one guy is a black man living in Africa one is a gay Spanish movie star. I mean, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting what they do with it. It feels it feels a little heavy-handed sometimes, the the message they're trying to get across. Really? The guys who made Cloud Atlas are being heavy-handed? Right. I, 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 I did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, it just feels, sometimes it feels so preachy. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, there's a scene. Like our last podcast? There's a scene in the show where the trans woman is giving a speech at her sister's wedding. Uh-huh. 
But the speech is entirely about her and her journey to become a woman. Right. And it's just, it's just like, that's stupid. It's really stupid. Okay. <laughs> um, sometimes they do something interesting, like one character is having sex, mm-hmm. and then all eight of them are suddenly having sex, and they're all experiencing that at the same time, hmm. And which is like crazy and hot. It's just the, like an orgy, but it's so pretty, because Wachowskis can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there's also times when they have like, f- there's a lot of really great action in it as well. There's times when they have a fight scene and then they started playing with this, um, imagery this season where the characters sort of like walk past each other and it's just them fading back into each other mm-hmm. and then they fan out and there's eight of them. So you just see that they're all together. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. But as far as the story goes, I don't think it moved much this season. Hmm. All right. So how much are you through with it? I finished it today. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. So I just feel like it was a continuation of last episode or last season's story arc. Mm-hmm. And then it just hung you out to dry at the end. Hmm. There's no resolution. Really. Well, that's an issue with The Matrix, right? That had a very strong, great, intriguing idea, but then they never really found the way to satisfy, satisfactorily wrap it up. Mm-hmm. So, and the other stuff that they'd done is not original IP that they came up with. So, like, you know, I thought Cloud Atlas was, I thought Cloud Atlas was a really great piece of, um, you know, creative art that had a definitive beginning, middle, and end and a point to it, but they didn't, they didn't write that book. So, right. They just adapted it. Um, do, are you worried that uh, Sense8 going to have kind of a similar kind of – I mean, are they? do you feel like they're making this just to get to the next season? Or do you think they're trying to go somewhere with this? Uh, honestly, I think that they just have too many storylines to deal with. Really? Yeah. So they're just focusing on like three main ones. Right. And, and you know, these eight people have their loved ones in their life and then their loved ones' families. And it's just so large. Mm-hmm. That it's, it, I think it's hard for them to keep track of okay. and trying to focus on all of those things throughout the entire season just leaves you with unfocused energy at the end. But it did wring tears out of me. Like I cried hard at least three times. Hmm. It's, it's a really good show. I highly recommend. Like at the end or all spread out throughout the season? Throughout, seasons? yeah. Oh, and you don't cry for nothing. No, I you don't. You didn't cry for fucking leftovers. I didn't cry for Les Mis. And cry for shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost want to see. I, I, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch this eventually. Yeah. It's just I'm too stacked up right now. Uh, any other television just you want to talk about? Get in before they get more seasons out. Yeah. Otherwise, well, you'll you got never a whole, make it. You got a whole year now. Yeah. Like the 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 the, the Sense Eight counter has been reset. So you got how many episodes are there a season? I don't know. Like ten, eight, 13? maybe eight. Oh, that would make sense. So there's 16 episodes you got to get through sometime between now and next year. Yep. Good luck. Um, anything else you want to talk about? No. All right. Uh, we had one email. Uh, we have an email? We did have one email from, uh, one email from Michael McBee from Virginia. And unfortunately, <laughs> he just, it was a rant about how much he hates the undead Miss Moon. And I feel well, like we covered that. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like we covered that. He's, he's conjuring the ghost of Lori Grimes, uh, to, to critique the ghost of Miss Moon. Right. Uh, and I, yeah, I have a hard time because, like, there, she's so far a character with very little redeeming, redeeming features. Um, yeah. Other than she really kicks a lot of undead ass. But, uh, we'll see. If you'd like to send us feedback for consideration in future episodes, we'll probably be doing this every two weeks, uh, until we're all cut up or until we're all finished with American Gods and Handmaid's Tale. 
Uh, send it to TV at baldmove.com. You can find everything that we're doing at baldmove.com. You can follow us on Facebook.com uh, slash baldmove or Twitter and Instagram at baldmove if you want to keep up with the latest. Um, and also chat with our fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com. We'll be back in a couple weeks to go over the next installment and check in where we're at. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Goodbye.